Well, Liliana, welcome back to the Be Perfectly Healthy podcast. Oh, thank you for having me again. I always love to be here and share and give as much passion as I can out there to anybody who's interested in. Yes, and today we are talking about one of my favorite, favorite, favorite topics, which is Evox, something that we use here at the center a lot for cancer patients, non-cancer patients alike. Mm -hmm. But just to start, before we even get there, I want to touch on a little bit of why addressing emotions is even should even be a part of our health our health journey whether we're recovering from cancer or just want to be a healthier person why is looking at the emotions an important aspect of that now in standard practice i would say probably emotions are left out of a diagnostic uh treatment in regards to whatever condition it is. Now, we at the Center for New Medicine, we believe that everything starts on an emotional plane before it actually enters on a physical disorder. I tell my patients that if we don't have enough rest and recovery in our mind, then it has no other choice but to drop it down into a physical level. So our perception on how safe the world is, how we respond to uh, situations in life is really uh, our perception on how our cells are perceiving safety. And if a patient feels unsafe, no matter how many vitamins they take or what great food they have, they're not going to be able to uptake it. And so although lifestyle is really important, how you eat, uh, how you move, how you rest, I would say that emotions trump them all, okay? Because mm-hmm. if you are usually in a state of... Um, emotional imbalance, then you're going to have trouble eating because your gut will not be good and you'll have trouble sleeping because you'll be anxious or worried or stressed. So I think that it is the cornerstone in regards of all all healing from, you know, simple thing is depression or anxiety or cancer or autoimmune disorders. Uh, we just want to look at it from where do we go from here in regards to taking ownership back. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to have to be careful to rein myself in this episode mm-hmm. because I could just talk about this for hours on end. But It really is, emotions are just energy. And I think what came to me just as you were talking is an example Molly gave of, you know, how bioenergetic testing works. It's picking up imbalances at an energetic level. And that is like the fastest, quickest form of communication within the body. And emotions are no different. But we also know now proven through science that certain emotions resonate with certain organs they're stored there. So there really is actually a lot of science to back up that repressed emotions can, after years of chronicity, actually turn into physiological illnesses. Cue Evox. So can you explain this a little bit for us? Well, kind of think of it this way. You get about 100 million impulses of information per minute. That's a lot, okay? So again, I kind of say um, our, our mind, we don't. it doesn't ever ask us permission to think it does it on its own it's kind of like a morse code and before you know it it sent a signal to the body of i'm worried i'm stressed i'm depressed i'm sad and so again most people don't pay attention i always say it's important to be a hall monitor in your mind and really debate thoughts that are negative you know how do i know it's true is it happening here at this very moment and is it making me feel safe And if we can say, no, 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 it's not happening, it doesn't make me feel safe, and it's not relevant to this moment, then it's a bully in your playground. And you're sending a Morse code that's, if you have these 100 trillion impulses, and your body's got to decipher in regards of how it it perceives it, then what we want to do is capture and say, wait a minute, you know what, this is a thought that's making me feel yucky, it's not relevant, it's not happening, but it could, I perceive that it could, but it's not true. 
So a lot, a lot of times I, I talk to my patients, I say, well, how do you know that's empirically true? Did anybody say that from their mouth to you? Well, no, but, but I go, there's no but here. If it didn't come out in regards to, let's just say somebody um, feels that um, they're, uh, they're ugly or something like that. And I said, has anyone ever told you you were ugly? Well, uh, no, physically said it, but I know they mentioned this and they, I go, so you perceived it based upon the information that you had in, in regards of your own level of self-worth. Mm-hmm. And so when you can kind of break it down and for them to take ownership that, that the bottom line is that we co-create our life you know, by our perception of how we feel safe, that whole vagal poly theory, right? Polyvagal theory. And so when you get a patient to really to understand that it doesn't need to be that complicated, it just needs to be mindful. Mm-hmm. And so if we have these hundred trillion impulses, how do we decipher between which ones we let in and which ones we let out? And that's when I say, you know, debate your thoughts. And that way, if that thought is a negative, you can kind of look at it as a bully in your playground. Like if I had a stone in my hand, I would toss it. It doesn't belong in the sandbox. It's going to hurt my child if, in fact, she would step over it or be digging in this area. So it really takes a lot of mindfulness. And some people don't even realize that, you know, they're slaves to their mind and rather than being the master of the mind. So when we do Evox, it gives them a wonderful representation of all the subconscious underlying emotions that they Oftentimes, some have an idea of it, but then some don't. But when I share it with them, they're like, oh my gosh, that is so me, right? Mm. And when I can, because with Evox, what we're doing is, you know, a lot of, this is a very new therapy. I, you know, I think um, uh, the person who invented this, what we call um, remapping, right? Voice remapping. Because remapping is what we're doing is we're looking at the frequencies that are either in excess or deficient. And then when we discover this, when they're in specific areas associated to emotions, then the machine in its biofeedback mechanism sends the frequencies that are to decrease the excess or to increase and strengthen. And so it's, it's got an algorithm. And with the galvanic response of the palm of the hand on there, we can send it, we can collect information and then we can send them back. So not in a discovery state as when we're speaking, we can also right there on the spot, do the treatment and then watch how the body's capable of clearing it in regards of the next voice mapping that we might do. When we have a successful voice mapping, that means that three of the voice mappings that we do in a row are different from each other. That's when we know emotional health is starting to become more stable. A a healthy emotional person can one minute be laughing, the next minute be crying, the next minute be yelling, the next minute be laughing. So we don't get stuck in one place. We don't get depression. We don't get anxiety. We don't get insomnia. We don't get, you know, these states where now they become a being state rather than, you know, an incident of a situation. And so we have so much more control in regards to showing up rather than reacting once we're aware of the triggers and also the sabotage qualities that we have in regards to our desired outcome. Mm-hmm. So a couple of things I want to highlight here. First, what I always love to explain to people is a literally a proven fact by Dr. Bruce Lipton, who discovered that 95% of the decisions we make in a day 
are made by our subconscious brain. So when I tell people that, their eyes kind of open and go, okay, wait a second. I thought the subconscious was just this like metaphorical term, but it's real. It's running the show. And it is running the show. (laughs) And then what we also know is the majority of those beliefs in our subconscious about life, about career, about relationships, about myself, are developed between the ages of zero to seven, unless you have some more traumatic events as an adult. So I always say, if we haven't done subconscious work, 95% of the decisions we're making are basically coming from our seven-year-old self or you know, oh, somewhere absolutely. in that range. Yeah. No. And so, and then the second point I wanna make here is what I love and what makes me so comfortable with Evox is it's literally a technology that has been proven. So it's not like, someone's laying on their couch and you're like waving your hands over them. There is a technology. They can see the map of their voice and the energy in their voice and what emotions are coming up as extreme. They can see the frequencies that are being output on the screen. So I think that actually makes people feel so much more comfortable with it. You know, on a cellular level, you uh, cellular level, you got a lipid layer and this is where all the codes are at and information. So it's kind of like a crystalline coding, right? And so our body not just holds the frequencies from, you know, nonverbal state in regards to even in the womb, it actually holds the genetic blueprint on a DNA level of generations past. Like, um, for example, um, when I, as a practitioner, when they, when they come in, what I have them do is get in a relaxed state, number one. So um, they they can feel safe, number one. So I've got a really comfortable chair where they can kind of lean back, put their feet up, feel very supported. And so um, I always um, uh, start by asking them about, tell me a little bit about your basic nature. So they'll talk a little bit about their basic nature and they'll stop them and I'll say, okay, let's do some semantic work right now. Let's just, you know, have that another little layer of just feeling safe. So I'll have them, I always say, okay, just imagine you're out in the forest and you are a bear and you got a little, want to scratch in between your shoulder blades. I want you to sit back on the chair and just kind of, you know, rock your shoulders back and forth as if you're trying to scratch the middle of your back. There you go. Doesn't that feel good? Just loosen it up. Then I say, now just take one shoulder back at a time and think of your shoulders kind of like as your knees and you're just really really slowly riding a bicycle, right? And then now you're rolling these shoulders back. Just loosen up all that that you've been holding on for so long. Let's just get it off the shoulders. Now let's pedal forward with those shoulders. And now let's move forward in the direction that we want to go in. Now I want you to draw your shoulders up. And then I want you to verbally exhale down with a verbal expression of a relief. (sighs) So I have them do that three times. And then I start talking to them again. So that second voice mapping after one, they feel comfortable with you after they've kind of loosened their body and you've got them distracted a little bit. Then I have them continue talking a little bit about some of the things that they're passionate about. Do they love to cook? Do they love to garden? And that second voice mapping really represents their childhood and how they experienced it. So the first one is the conscious mind speaking to me. The second one is really now from that point forward, we can actually start doing the work. So not only do I voice map them on their first one on them, I voice map their mother. So I say, tell me a little bit about your mother's nature. And then I'll voice map the father and then the mother's mother and the mother's father and the father's mother and the father's father. (laughs) So now I've got genealogy. And then if they're married, I map the husband. So then I'm able to very, very quickly show the patient how they they how they actually matched in regards to who did they pattern after. And it's beautiful because you'll see, oh my goodness, your mother's mother's this than that. And you guys all have the same 
what we call stagnant energy. So you patterned after the, the way your, your mother's side of the family showed up for stressors. And so again, we're all about preservation. So normally, you know, we, we pass on those capacities to the next generation. How do you preserve yourself into the best capacity, right? In regards to don't put your hand in fire, you're going to burn it, even though it's warm and cozy and you want to get as close as you can so that you can stay warm. Or, you know, here comes something threatening. You got to run from it. Otherwise you'll get eaten. So this is actually coded on in, in the cellular memory. But the voice is a beautiful way to, to, to capture it because look at every single organ system that is involved in the voice. Okay, mm -hmm. from your jaw moving to your larynx to your diaphragm to your lungs when you speak. So there's so many uh, what we call you know in the vagal nerve that has to stimulate to actually speak. So it's the perfect method to be able to get information, mm -hmm. which is all coded in the voice as what we call stress inflectors. So that gives me a map of where we're going to start in regards to, and I usually start with the, the, the one that they had their first relationship with, which is their mother, right? They're connected by the womb and I mean, by the umbilical cord in the womb, they're going to get the mother's emotions, whether they're stressed or happy or oxytocin or epinephrine, norepinephrine, or the environment of even the home, two parents arguing all the time. And so they're going to feel, is this, is this a safe environment in regards to what I should expect? And so their nervous system will already be prepared for that. And like some children, they, you know, I've heard my, my, my patients say, oh my gosh, my child was so difficult. She was so hard to soothe. And I said, well, what was the environment that you were at, that you were in while you're pregnancy? And then, then she tells me, and then she starts to understand, oh my gosh, no wonder this child had anxious attachment because I was going through so much emotional distress in my mm -hmm. life. And so again, um, the most important thing for all humans is the need to connect. And so I always tell my patients, if they've had a child, they can really relate to this. The time when they put that baby in their hand and these little teeny little mouse eyes, you know, they don't even blink. They just stare right into the window of your soul, right? Because they need to connect because they need, because all women have built in oxytocin for babies. I mean, if you see a baby kitty, baby dog, oh, right, just that automatic <laughs> oxytocin. And we're hardwired like that because the child says, if I can get you to connect with me, then you'll have a desire to take care of me. Okay. And I had a patient that was telling me earlier today is that, um, that she never felt soothed and that her parents were always arguing. And as a child, she would cry and cry and cry and that they would try to feed her. They would try to change her diapers. They would try to, but that was not what she needed. She needed them to stop arguing. And so she has severe anxiety because she created a belief system that um, there's nothing out there that's going to help me calm down in regards of soothing me. So I'm inconsolable. Mm. Right. And so we can, and her mother was sitting there when we were talking about this and she, and, 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 and she says, because obviously this little, this girl at that age was only like, you know, two or three years old. The mother had told her the story, mm -hmm. okay, in regards to this, you know, blah, 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 and, and so forth. So by no, by no fault of the parent, I always tell the parents, this is not your fault. Nobody gave us a manual, right? Mm -hmm. on how to be a good daughter or a wife or a mother. But the bottom line is, is once we recognize that we can come from a consoling mindset rather than a judgmental or a critical mindset. And so, um, you know, I, I, I start with that foundation is, is working on what we, 
some people call it cutting of the cords, right? Is the uh, association of the mother and what she brought in on an energetic frequency of coding of survivability skills that maybe don't work. We don't run from predators anymore as far as, you know, an animal or things of that nature, but we run from predators of people, right? Mm -hmm. And so again, it's, am I safe? Am I safe? So when a child has a good emotional stability, then they feel safe within themselves. They feel they can have confidence to walk away from mommy just so long as they look back. Is, are you looking at me, mommy? Do I, right? And so they're always looking for that safety cue. So when they don't get it, they have a very, very hard time self-soothing. And those are the patients oftentimes that find themselves in the emergency room thinking they're having a heart attack, but it's an anxiety attack. Mm, wow. And so a couple things I want to point out. One there's kind of two parts to the evox. It's the voice mapping and then it's the biofeedback mm -hmm. or the output of those frequencies. And so the voice mapping, as you've pointed out for us, is when we're able to actually, when we're speaking about a topic, scientists, researchers have discovered that when we're speaking about a topic, there's tones in our voice that correlate to specific emotions. So if I'm talking about my mom and I have repressed anger there's a tone for that in my voice now maybe we as humans can't pick up on it but the evox technology is picking up on that yeah so what it's looking at um so so everything alive has a frequency okay every organ system in the body has a frequency so what the evox is picking up is the imbalance of the frequency when you're speaking mm -hmm. and this is why it's able to it's like able to send the signal back of the imbalances that it finds but it also shares with the area that it's stuck in. So let's just say if it's stuck in uh, the, the GI system, which is all watery organs, uh, that would be zone um, eight, is that we'd say, okay, so we see this stagnation here, and this has to do on an emotional level with being overwhelmed. As a child, you know, you asked for help potentially, and it didn't come. So you began to believe that you have to do it all yourself. So as an adult, you may grow up to think, I do it myself so that I get, know that it gets done the way I want it to get done. That's the kind of story we tell ourselves as an adult. But I've asked my patients, if somebody could do the job better, just as good as you or better, would you give them half of your job, half of your work? They say yes. Mm -hmm. So it's because of the fact that they were led to believe that um, when they asked for help, it wouldn't come. So they don't feel safe asking for help. So what happens is that they're always in the future of what if. Mm -hmm. What if I can't accomplish, accomplish this? And so fear. So if you get them to understand that, first of all, that's a lie. You couldn't survive outside the womb without help. You have had help, okay? Mm -hmm. and, and at the same time, if you were led to believe doing it on your own, you could actually get a rewarded for that. Good girl, you did it, but you're crying and oh, you're upset. You, you know, you had to go to bed at four o'clock in the morning to get your project done. You can't, you know, you're all tired the next day. Well, that's not a very good caretaker in terms of taking the load off of our child. Why do we need to have them suffer just so that they could learn the hard way that life is an obstacle course? Well, that's what they'll believe their whole life. Mm -hmm. And so if we just can get them to understand that the these sabotage principles that they have are based on lies because nobody told them differently when they started establishing this perception about themselves and their relationship to the world, then they can begin to dismantle it just like a puzzle. You know, and again, I say we don't need to dismantle the whole thing all at one time because you'll get emotional indigestion. But if we can just say one little piece at a time and allow yourself the time that it actually takes you to heal mm -hmm. is so important. I mean, there's so many different modalities of biofeedback, like let's just say hypnotherapy 
or um, EMDR or uh, meditation or visualization, but that has nothing to do with Evox. Mm-hmm. We don't use any of those modalities. You know, they use tonality of like a tuning fork or a symphony or, you know, energetically chakra music that actually, re- re- it's, it's kind of like grounding. It's like it repolarizes the cells to get them to go back into balance. Mm-hmm. And we can, and the patient and I can see that as they continue to talk and, and they'll have, they'll have experiences like when they're listening to the music and their body's rebalancing, they'll all of a sudden burst out with, in tears and crying and they'll have a revelation. They'll go, oh my gosh, now I know really how this relates to me and this and that. And it's beautiful, whether it's a man or a woman or even a young child that, you know, I, I work with kids, like, let's just say from about, I'd say the youngest is 10, but preferably between 12 and up. Okay. Mm-hmm. That way they've got critical thinking already established. Um, and it's beautiful because you allow for a space of vulnerability for them to be able to uh, have emotions come up that are fearful, but they're in a safe space and they can share. And people oftentimes will say to me, oh my gosh, I have never shared that with anybody except for my husband. Or I've never even, I've never even uttered those words. I was afraid to utter these mm-hmm. words, but secrets create disease. And so we don't want to have secrets. We want to say you you are worthy of being heard because you are worthy of complete happiness and health and joy in your life, just like we all are. You know, mm-hmm. there's no difference. Um, so uh, it, it's amazing when someone starts to realize that they're not broken. And that's what I just was finished telling. I got up with a patient right now who has severe OCD, anxiety. Uh, she had a really uh, low level of sodium, so she had a schizophrenic event. So now she thinks she's 100% broken. So the first thing I said to her is, honey, you are not broken. Mm-hmm. You have maladapted to an environment out of the need to survive. And, um, and so I'm going to see her with Evox. Her dad's going to bring her in, but she's 42 years old. She's not a child anymore. Um, so she had a hard time when I was talking to her a little bit about, you know, the inner child within you and the subconscious mind, um, because people are treating her like a child in regards of her situation. So I said, but how about if you look at, you're the mother to the child within you and you've, and you have survived your childhood. Mm -hmm. Let's have a consoling mindset instead of a judgmental mindset. And, um, so you know, um, we've all had adverse childhood experiences. I don't care who you are. If you had the most, when people tell me, oh, I had a great, a great childhood. And I start to, and I say, oh, fantastic. I don't believe it ever when they say that. Okay. That's absolutely not because, you know, adverse experience could be mommy gave, you know, my sister a lolly and she didn't give me one. And, and, uh, and I didn't realize or understand because I couldn't, because I didn't have intellectual understanding that she ate her dinner and I didn't. But now I start to believe that mommy loves her more than me. So now I start being vigilant about behind that and I start noticing everything mommy does for her and doesn't do for me and then again it anchors that mommy loves her more and I hear it all the time patients will say oh my sister was my dad's favorite or you know I'm my mom's favorite and I'm like where did they hear that Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. and so we 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 are like we are running our life through the subconscious pre-programmed you know, recording. And so I kind of say, okay, if I had a, um, an album and I played the same song over and over and over again, it would, I would put the needle on and it would automatically jump to that song because there's such a well groove in it. Mm-hmm. So what we want to do is we want to put a new disc on there and let's play the song that resonates with us so that healing and joy and love can take place again. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that I got this from the book, The Body Keeps the Score, which I talk about frequently is He talks about how there's big T trauma and there's little T trauma. And the little T trauma is sort of like those small little things that happened that maybe to everyone else wasn't a big deal. But to you as an infant, as a child, 
it really deeply affected you. And he says, oftentimes those little T traumas are far more impactful in a negative way on a person's life. But I think there's an element of guilt or I I hear it all the time with people saying like, same thing, my childhood was idyllic. Well, well, yeah, this happened and it upset me, but you know, it really shouldn't have because blah, blah, blah. And they, they're almost like trying to justify why they shouldn't feel bad about it. And I'm like, look, emotions are not inherently good or bad. Let's just be an observer of what the emotions are. We got to just get them out first. And then we can start to maybe look at it a little bit deeper, what was going on and how has this affected you the rest of your life. But it is so interesting how sometimes those really small things we know intuitively affected us, but we're we're afraid to admit it or we almost feel shameful that it did affect us so much. Well, so think about if the child's basic need is to connect, right? Is that if they live in an environment that is emotionally unstable, but they need your love, they need your food, they need this, they will maladapt to that environment to get what they need. So in their mind, it is idyllic because that's all they know, right? And they have to have that story in their head so that they could um, survive in a, on an emotional level. But what they do is however they maladapted in their childhood, they drag it into every single relationship they have because that's how I survived. So if I'm used to getting disappointed because let's say we have divorced parents and, you know, daddy's supposed to pick me up on Saturday, but he doesn't show up and here's an excuse. And then he's supposed to pick me on Wednesday and he has a conference to go to. And I just get one disappointment after the other. Then guess what? I'm going to grow up in life saying that in order for me to survive, I've got to have disappointment in my life. And I have disappointment in my marriage and in my job and this and that. And that's a sabotage quality of dragging whatever that you maladapted in your childhood into every relationship you have until we are aware of it. And I love to look at sabotage qualities because it's an opportunity to dismantle them. So if I know that, you know, I'm always late to work and that makes me have anxiety and my adrenaline is flowing and that other patient's adrenaline's flowing, why don't I just get to work 15 minutes early and solve the whole problem, mm-hmm. right? And so it's just like, oh, it doesn't have to be that hard. I can say, well, that's my personality. Your personality, when people say that to me, they go, oh, well, how can I change that? That's my personality. And I love it when they say that. I say, well, <laughs> I say, well, actually, your personality are all the masks that you have developed in order to connect. You're different with your children as you are with your, your let's just say, your husband and your coworkers and this and that. You're different, right? I said, because because that's the mask that you put on so that you could connect with someone to get your point across, get what you needed. But your true being states is who you are. And that's what I was talking to you about originally, my being state of peace and joy and happiness, contentment and gratitude and unconditional love. But if I allow the outside world to affect me, affect me negatively, then it's like the virus that infects my being states. And now I don't have peace of mind because I'm angry. And so when you get them to realize that they're like, oh my gosh, you know, it's a big responsibility in regards to being so adult-like, right? But you have the greatest uh, sense of um, ownership that I have a choice to feel. And if you say something negative about me um, and and it hurts me, it's because somewhere within myself, I feel that it's true. But if you say something about me and you don't validate me, then I can just say, well, you know, boohoo for you and I can keep going, right? But if I'm looking for that acknowledgement, if I didn't get acknowledgement as a child, then I'll always seek validation on the outside world. And if I don't get that validation, it makes me feel less than myself. So I try to teach patients not to get small and not to collapse when they get into this point of 
I don't know what to do. I'm frozen, right? We call that collapse theory, right? The dorsal collapse. And so if you can teach people prior to that is to say, truly, am I in a safe environment? You can even see it on people's faces and the tonality of their voice. You know when someone's safe to approach. They're not, you know, mm-hmm. they're, they're soft and their face is soft. But you, when someone's angry and no, you're like, ooh, don't approach. So everything is in the tonality of the voice. So again, you know, it was interesting when I was reading this thing, it said the crystal-like structure of, of the 70 trillion cells that we have, you know, make up the matrix of all the codes in your, in your emotions. So it's beautiful when you think about that. It's just like that. That, um, you know, that I, I, I always forget his name, Miyoki, that had that whole, uh, he wrote, uh, he had the Nobel Peace Prize for um, recognizing that um, water held frequencies. And if you would put like the word mm. hate on there, that the, when they froze the water, it would turn into crystalli- crystalline nature of it would be all jagged and all, you know, funky and just really not in a normal state. But if you put love on there, the crystalline nature would be like this beautiful snowflake. So since we are water, you know, what, 78% water, 75, 78% water, we're holding all of those crystalline coatings of life and and, and, and of the traumas. Um, and they don't need to be huge trauma. It could be, you know, I got embarrassed in front of the teacher and everybody laughed at me and I was shamed. And and that's a that's huge, right? Um, and I got small because I, I wanted to be, I wanted to disappear. I didn't want to be there. And so if we can really get everyone to recognize that they're innately perfect, that even their body may have a condition, but their soul does not. Let's start working on on, on on the soul qualities and recognizing the sabotage qualities that we relate to our personality and say, I don't want to be an imposter to myself, nor do I want to be an, a bully to myself. So therefore, I want to operate out of my own personal truth, even if it offends other people. Mm-hmm. But I don't mean to. But at the same time, I'm not going to acquiesce because I'll have to put a fake mask on and it won't feel ethically safe to me. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I think for people who have anxiety or depression, it's really clear to them, okay, I need some additional help here. I need some additional support. But I've also seen that there's a lot of people who have a hard time understanding how all of these limiting beliefs, first of all, what they are because they're in the subconscious, and then how it's slowly, slowly playing out in their life in these negative patterns, in these impulse responses. And once I start to explain it, again, it's like the light bulb goes on. And I always give the example of myself that I'll share really quickly. Once I, when I initially started doing Evox with you, Liliana, um, so much came up. But one of the sort of revelations or epiphanies that I had was I really made a connection between, I saw this pattern throughout my whole life that I wanted friends. Why don't I have friends that I'm really close to that I feel like just get me so well? And all of a sudden it clicked in my brain. My perception shifted and I realized I don't have those close friends because I'm keeping them at arm's distance. Why am I keeping them at arm's distance? And I really, during an Evox session, I realized twofold. One, my dad never really paid attention to us as kids. He never asked us about ourselves. My parents were divorced. Mm. And I think the belief that ingrained in my little child brain was, well, if my own father doesn't want to know me, I must not be worth being known. So mm-hmm. why would anyone else want to know me? And then the second part of that was I observed as my my mother, I really could tell even as a young girl, she didn't feel safe mm-hmm. to be herself. I could tell that she had a mask on mm-hmm. and was holding a lot in. 
And so, you know, I hear I do, I have my father giving me this subconscious message of you're not even worth being known. And then I have my mother giving me this subconscious message of it's not safe to be yourself. You need to hide. And so for me, what that really, what the pattern that turned into and how it played out in my life was I didn't feel safe to share myself with people and I didn't feel worthy of their love and affection. And so it's something like that. And I give that because it's just such a clear example for me. And I've had so many more like that, but it can seem so subtle until we really look at it. And then it's like someone just turned on the light to our whole life. Absolutely. And it's, and that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. And, um, and that's the truth is that when all of a sudden it resonates with us, it, it's, it's a visceral effect. It's not an intellectual. Evox does not work on an intellectual level. It works. I always say your immune system is like a child. It doesn't run off of intellectual capacity. It runs off of emotional understanding. And so if, what does a child need? The child needs to be acknowledged, needs to be seen, needs to be heard, needs to feel safe. And so are you that to your child or your body, right? Mm -hmm. And so uh, there's a tenderness that comes over people that I, that I observe a lot. Um, patients will say, I don't know what you did with my husband, but boy, we sure get along better now. <laughs> or, or, and it, it, so oftentimes, you know, when I, when I do a, a, a patient, they'll bring their husband in or their significant other in or their children or things of that nature because now they can have a common language that they can share and they can have the vulnerability and it's, it, that it is safe. It's so safe and you're not going to judge me and you're not going to use it against me. Mm -hmm. and, and that's what people are afraid of is if I am vulnerable to you, and it happens all the time in relationships, is that you say something about your personal life even when you didn't even know them. And then you get in an argument, they bring it up. Well, you, and you're like, wait a minute, that's not fair. That's below the belt. I didn't even know you. How could you possibly judge me, right? Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes people will bottle up these emotions because they're fearful of how people will perceive them. It's like your mother, she needed to have this mask to wear that everything was okay when it wasn't okay. Mm -hmm. And children are so intuitive. You can't get a lie past them. No way. Because <laughs> even, and even if you tell them everything is fine, everything's fine, you create conflict in that child because everything is not fine. And so then the child begins to think, I can't trust what I think or feel or see because the person who is my primary caretaker, who I look at as God and the ultimate, you know, the all knowing is telling me what I think, feel and see is not right. And so mm -hmm. therefore I'll have an issue with making decisions as I get as an adult and I'll question myself and I'll have to ask four or five people. And then when I do make a decision, I'll, I'll, I'll have buyer's remorse. I'll, I'll wonder if I made the right one. So all of these things are, you know, these subliminal ways in which we have a filter on how we perceive life. And so if we start, like I want to say, I, I like to perceive life as a friendly place. You know, people, you know, are friendly, innately friendly. Sometimes the acts that they do, uh, behaviors that they have are not good, but innately that person, when that God planted them in the womb of that mother. They were perfect, innately pure. And it's the environment that we're in that led them to believe oftentimes that the behaviors that they needed to get what they want was the only way they could go about getting them. Mm -hmm. You know, even someone who's been abused in that mindset, right? And so the problem happens is that when you have an adverse childhood experience, you hold the frequency. And, and then a frequency attracts frequency. So I've noticed a lot of times with my patients who have been you know, um, um, assaulted in, in, in many ways, they, it's not just one time, it's like three or four times in their life. 
because they're still holding on to the frequency of being over vigilant and fearful about it they're putting energy to it so they're going to draw it to them and so a lot of times i have to really work on taking those those bad weeds out just like if you get a diagnosis and they give you a timeline okay well you've got so many years to live or you've got a couple months to live it's like wow we got to take that weed out because it becomes the boogeyman that mm. you know even if after they get rid of their their situation or their their condition they're still afraid that it's going to come back mm-hmm. and it's because somebody implanted a, a nocebo a negative uh that now takes root so we when Nebox were able to talk about that and then and look at those areas and say okay you know that's somebody else's point of view mm-hmm. but it doesn't have to be yours mm-hmm. exactly so i'll reel us in but i do want to ask if you have any particularly powerful patient case studies that you can share or testimonial around it you know i have a lot of them and i'm always and, and this is why i trust the evox more and more each time because i mean obviously when you start working with it and you start you know seeing the benefits and and you work on yourself and things of that nature you know there's value but then when you start getting repetitive repetitive stories of people saying how you know they don't have anxiety anymore or you know they can't remember the last time they were depressed or you know now they're able to eat food and it not be you know a threat to them and so i've had many patients share with me that the situation that they have now that they're aware of it um it doesn't rule them anymore i had a young girl um you know and um her parents were um you know pretty restrictive in regards of their upbringing in terms of religion and so forth and so it wasn't acceptable for her to get a divorce right and so then all that of that shame and guilt um and not being accepted and maybe being a little bit rebellious that she began to believe that she didn't deserve happiness or she didn't deserve a good marriage or she didn't deserve this so when she did get a divorce and her parents basically kind of shunned her to some degree right it was just like I'm no good for nothing, not even to being a good daughter. And, you know, I've been a disappointment to everyone. So when I worked with her, every time that we'd finish a session, she'd say, oh, my gosh, Liliana, whatever it is that you say, it's like I'm just drinking like honey. And I just feel like it just makes me so happy. And that, you know, I just she says to me, I just love the way you talk to me. Right. And I said, (laughs) well, I'm just talking the way the machine is telling me what you're sharing with me. And I'm just being a mirror to that again. Mm -hmm. So it's not that I have any special technique or even degree or psychotherapy or psychiatrist. It's just that I'm able to take the information that the e-box is giving me in a biofeedback and then mirror it back to the patient in, in a verbal conversation so that we can look at it and disassemble it because it's not that we're not going to run through the entire gamut of emotions. We are. But now anger doesn't mean to me that, um, you know, I need to engage. It means this should give me information is if this is a snake that's coiled and is going to strike, then I should not engage. But if I engage and I get bit, then I have to ask myself, that was silly. You saw that that person was already inflamed and, 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 uh, and upset. And then you went and, you know, made it about yourself because the dishes weren't done and, you know, he's in a bad mood. And so if we kind of just look at, I want to perceive life as information, I don't want it to affect me I, because then I'm infected and I could engage in that anger and then they've lost their emotional intelligence. I've lost my emotional intelligence and nothing will get resolved. And But we probably will both walk away feeling really bad. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, uh, it's like it will be used against us, even our own shame and guilt and or they're going to resent you or something of that nature. So when we talk about anger, we say anger is a real popular emotion. People say anger when I'm disappointed. But do they really mean I'm really angry? Because anger means that something has got to change whatever they're experiencing at the moment. 
And so that should tell you, don't, don't, don't speak another word. Don't lift another hand, like to spank somebody or, or, or assault somebody is that something has got to change. And what, what you are perceiving as a threat and your body, you know, in a, the semantic patterning of what it feels is trying to protect you from getting hurt. It's going to launch into meeting anger with anger because mm-hmm. I want to protect you. I want to fight you, right? And if I can't fight you, then I should run away from you. And if I can't run or fight from you, I'm going to collapse and I'm going to just shut down. And you're sitting there screaming at me, but I'm already not there, mm-hmm. okay, because it's too painful, which is not good because then your body's taking in all this, but your mind is shut down, mm-hmm. right? And so um, that's not a good place because that's where disease begins to take place is in that point where you can't, you can't escape. Mm-hmm. And just to close this out, because this, I mean, we could just talk for hours and hours and hours, but I think the moral of the whole story and what I love so much about Evox is exactly as you said before, it's basically giving individuals the message, no, you're not broken. Yeah. And in fact, there's actually some probably very clear reasons you have the habits or the addictions or the fears that you have today. Mm. And in fact, you have the power to rewrite the story and to to reframe um, it to reframe it exactly and become exactly the person that you want to become yeah so just we got to just let go of our baggage you know Mm -hmm. i say okay if you have a donkey and you've got two saddlebags on there if you keep you know you already inherited stuff when you came out of the womb from your mom and dad right and then we go along and we just keep filling up these and we're trying to go up the mountain it's not going to work so you got to start unloading so that you can get up to the vista and go wow this is great i would have never gotten up here if i would have had to carry all these baggage Mm -hmm. so it's just emotional baggage and oftentimes we really do know that we have it but we just don't know how to access it talk therapy is great for a lot of reasons but it doesn't move it it, it's like acupuncture moves things you know bioresonance frequency moves energy so when the energy gets moved within the body then cellular repair begins to happen on a much higher level Mm -hmm. oh i love it so much well thank you so much liliana you're welcome and um for anybody out there uh who really wants to take a good look at introspection come and see me and, and we'll do a session and you'll be uh, really uh, uh, excited to know that number one, there's something we can do about absolutely any emotion. Mm-hmm. I love it. And all the, the link to the website, the yes. center phone number will all be in the show notes okay, for you guys. Fantastic.